Welcome to True Spirituality Network. We are focused on spreading the gospel of God's love across the world. The Bible says, There is no fear in love, and perfect love casts out every fear. As you feed on God's love for you, allow His love to cast out every fear, worry, and anxiety. God loves you. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you because it's going to be an awesome time again today in your presence. We thank you because in your presence, there's abundance of joy. There's fullness of joy. We give you all the praise, Father. And Lord, we pray that as we fly into your word, you make us to see Jesus in the beauty of his holiness. And let your name be glorified. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' beautiful name, I will pray. And let God's people say, Amen. Amen. All right, I have so many things to communicate this morning. And I also want us to pray later. So I'm just going to be very, very fast today. Very, very, very fast. All right, let us just fly to the book of Exodus chapter 14, verse 14. Thank you, Jesus. Exodus chapter 14, verse 14. We have been on a series on the rest of God because God wants you to rest and not stress the life God created for man in the beginning is a life of rest God never designed man to worry God never designed man to stress the life God created for us the life God anticipated for us is a life full of rest that was why God created man on the sixth day so that man can enjoy everything God has made from day one, day two, day three, day four, and day five. So God just brought man on the sixth day so that man can enjoy that which God has already created for him. God didn't create man to stress. In fact, if you're a good Bible student, stress only came into the world after Adam committed a sin. If there was no sin there will not be anything called stress in the first place and we won't possibly be even having a series like this but when adam committed the sin in the garden somewhere in your mind i want you to underline in the garden when adam committed the sin in the garden of eden stress came into the picture as a result of the pronouncement god made um on adam talking about the fact that he would begin to not eat from sweat. That was where stress came into the picture. But you know, we have a redeemer. His name is Jesus Christ. And he has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Jesus redeemed us from stress. Jesus did not just die for your sins. Even though that's really beautiful. If you're born again, all of your sins are forgiven. Jesus did not, did not just die for your health, even though if you're born again, Jesus took all your sicknesses, all your corona, all your malaria, he put it on his body, all your cancer, Jesus took it. The Bible makes me understand that by the stripes of Jesus, you have been made healed. If you're born again, you are not trying to be healed. Psalm 103 verse 3 says, he who forgives 
all your iniquity and heals all your diseases. The blessing of the believer is total forgiveness and total health. In fact, Jesus died for your, for your, he took your sickness equivalent to the same way he took all your sins. So you are the righteousness of God. Also, you are the temple of God. No sickness can stay on your body. This is why you must not allow any pain to stay comfortable on your body. When you sense any pain in your body, Akimika, what should I do? Very simple. Declare the word of God. Speak to the pain and say, get out pain. This body is the temple of God. You can't stay on this body. Jesus took all my sicknesses. I can never be sick. By his stripes, I've been made healed over 2,000 years ago. If anybody is sick around you, what should you do? Lay hands on them. The Bible says this sign shall follow those that believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall cover. So that's what the scripture says. As beautiful as these promises are, Jesus also redeemed us from stress. That was why when he even started, when he was on his way to the cross, before he started, Jesus prayed. You guys should remember this story. In the garden of Gethsemane, and in that garden, it was stated that Jesus prayed. And listen, everybody, his sweat was like that of, I'm rephrasing, drops of blood. Jesus actually started our redemption from the garden. Because Adam, stress came into the world through Adam's sin in the garden. So Adam committed a sin in the garden. Stress came into the world. But Jesus started redemption in that same garden. And the first place that got to have a taste of his blood, you know, we are redeemed and purchased by the blood of Jesus. The first place that experienced the blood of Jesus for our redemption was the garden of Gethsemane. And that is to prove that Jesus does not want you to stress anymore. He redeemed you from every curse, including the curse of stress. So God doesn't want you to come to a point where you are still trying to stress yourself because Jesus redeemed you from that. God wants you to come to a point where you understand that as long as you are in Christ, that everything has already been done. Everything is already finished. What you should do is actually to just rest into your inheritance. It is not the will of God for you to be trying to make things work yourself. It is the will of God for you to rest into that which God has made work for you. It's the same way you got saved. How did you get saved? You got saved by resting into what Jesus has already done for you. Salvation is resting in Jesus' finished works. It is not by your works. The Bible says it is by grace we have been saved and not by works so that none of us can boast. So today you are righteous. Is it because of your works? No. You are righteous because of Jesus' finished works. Today you are accepted. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6. You are forever accepted in the beloved. Is it because of your works? No. Because if it is based on your works, you find yourself again in a state of stress. But thank God it is based on Jesus' finished works. We live right today because we are already righteous in Christ. Living right for the believer is not to score points in the presence of God. It's not to earn points in the presence of God. It's not to be righteous. 
we live right as believers because we are already made righteous in Christ and Jesus is our righteousness. We live only today, not to score points in the presence of God. We live only because the Spirit on our inside is the Holy Spirit. So we begin to see the fruit of the Spirit manifest. Hallelujah. So salvation comes when we rest in Jesus' finished works. And we growing in God, growing in grace comes when we begin to rest in the knowledge of the Word of God. So I understand we, some of us must have started this year and you can do your personal review. Start from January to June. But the aim of this series is to bring every one of us to a point whereby we remain focused on that which God has already done in Christ through Jesus and not focus on our efforts. The goal is not to make you make another six-month resolution the goal is to bring you to a place whereby you make a new rest resolution. The goal is to make you come to a point whereby you will say, I don't care what life throws at me. I will just trust in the Lord. My hope is in the Lord. My trust is on the Lord. I will put my trust in Jesus. I will stand on the promises of the Lord. I will hold on to the word of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So Christ has redeemed us from every kind of stress. He redeemed us with his own blood. He has redeemed us from every kind of stress. You know the reason why God actually even wants you to rest? is because God loves you. I know so, so many of us today, we want so many things for ourselves. I came in, I want this, I want to achieve this. The good news is God wants you to achieve what you want to achieve more than what you more than you want to achieve it. I wish that can be documented. <laughs> God wants you to achieve that which you want to achieve more than you desire to achieve that thing. God wants you to prosper and be in good health more than you want to prosper and be in good health. If not for anything, God already sent Jesus to die so that you can live. God sent Jesus to put all your sickness on himself so that you can take all the health of Jesus on you. So God wants you well. God wants you to live a life of victory more than you want to live a life of victory. That is why God actually wants you to rest. Because the best way to get more results in life is when you rest. Check the life of Jesus. He was never in a hurry. In fact, the only place where there is, where they are always to and fro, where they are always up and down, is the demonic. <laughs> Jesus was never in a hurry. He lived 30 years and then he started ministry from age 30. He, and then for three years, he did what it would take another person's lifetime to do. Just in three years, always in a state of rest. There was never a time whereby they told Jesus any information or they called him and said, ah, I'm so busy, I'm coming. Or maybe he's trying to catch a bus or trying to run, rush to a place. Most times it's always in the hurry. I once upon a time the Holy Spirit challenged me by making me see the life of Jesus and made me actually understand that for every single time Jesus was faced with a major situation, that Jesus was always at rest so much. Listen, he never prayed a prayer point up to three minutes. Take your Bible. There was no time actually, in actual context, for every single time Jesus was faced, listen, 
with a major challenge. What you will call, no, no, this one is shadow and the valley of fear. Jesus never prayed a prayer up to one minute. They told Jesus, 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 Lazarus, your friend. Some people said, your brother is dead. Jesus did not say, yay. Jesus did not say, Lord, and I'm serving you. Jesus did not say, why me, Lord? Jesus, his first response was not lament. His first response was, you know what? He's asleep. They told Jesus, Jesus, there are 5,000 people in more context. There are 5,000 men, not counting women and children. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, okay, tell them to sit down. Go and, go and read that scripture. It's in the book of Matthew chapter 9. The Bible says, Jesus said, tell them to sit down. You want to get results in life, you need to learn how to sit. And what does it mean to sit? When you sit, you rest. And when you rest, what happens? God walks behind the scene. He wants to take his glory. When you walk, actually, you tend to take God's glory. You tend to say, I did this. I, I. There's so much I in your statement. But when you rest and you allow God to walk, when you even want to share the testimony, it is thank God. God did this. God did this. This was why the book of Genesis chapter 11, they were in, at, at that point, before God divided their tongue, they were trying to build men's kingdom. So that they can keep saying, we, 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 we. So God divided their tongue because their whole effort, their whole confidence is in building their self, their own kingdom. But in Acts chapter 2, even though they are different voices, God gave them one tongue so that they can build his kingdom. So the Bible makes us understand that they began to speak in other tongues and magnify the works of God. When the focus is on God, when your gaze is on Jesus, you rest. In fact, in more context, the apostles received the Holy Spirit while they were sitting down. And I said this a few days ago, that this is against how an, an average evangelical, evangelical or an average denomination gets people filled with the Spirit. An average evangelical ministry gets people filled with the Spirit by making them jump up, clap up, fall down, do gymnastics. But these guys received the Holy Spirit. By the way, see, the best to get more results in life is to rest. Solomon received wisdom, not by doing 30 days fasting and prayer. Go and read your Bible. While he was sleeping, while he was at rest, Adam received Eve, not after going to the mountain. I'm not against going to the mountain. Don't come for me. <laughs> My point is, these guys received their greatest, what you call greatest manifestation, greatest breakthrough while they were in a state of rest so god wants you to rest and not stress i want to show you some place in the book of second summit chapter nine we're going to read from verse one to about verse seven. Second samuel chapter nine thank you holy spirit thank you holy spirit second samuel chapter nine from verse one to verse seven why will um get ready to display that um the whole scripture is all about one person and that person's name is Jesus. Every scripture should point you to one person. In fact, the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the words of Christ. When we begin to unveil Christ from the scripture, most especially the Old Testament, faith comes. And you should understand that Jesus himself in the book of Luke chapter 24, I believe verse 27, the Bible says he began to 
expound himself starting from Moses, beginning from Moses. And the five book of Moses is Genesis, blah, 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 the first five books in the Bible. The Bible says, and the prophets, and the book of Samuel is one of the book, prophet books. Jesus began to teach the disciples about himself, even from the Old Testament. And then when he later appeared to them, in Luke, same Luke chapter 24, when he appeared to the rest of them, the Bible said he began to tell them what, what was said concerning himself, starting from Moses to the prophet, and in the book of Psalms. The whole scripture is pointing to one person, Jesus Christ. And until we start unveiling Jesus from every chapter of the Bible, we can't fully enjoy or benefit what God has in store for us in the Old Testament. It's all about Jesus. For example, Psalm 22 verse 1 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's Psalm 22. And he's talking about Jesus, but they didn't know it was Jesus because the Old Testament was a shadow. But when Jesus came literally and he stood on the cross, literally he shouted, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The book of Isaiah chapter 53 talks about the fact that by his tribes we were healed. What does it mean? They don't fully understand what it meant. But when Jesus came and then he, they were beating him, they were beating with so many stripes, that was your coronavirus was taking on his body. That was your malaria was taking on his body. So we understood the mystery behind the verse that says, by his stripes, you have been made healed. So the scripture talks about the person of Jesus. So Second Samuel chapter 9, thank you, Jesus. From verse 1, the Bible says, David asked, this is David here in Second Samuel chapter 9, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? We'll stay from that this verse 1. But this is David speaking, and don't forget, our goal is to unveil Jesus from this scripture. Verse 2 says, now, there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba at your service? He replied, verse 3. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is laying in both feet. Verse 4. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Micah, son of Amiel, in Lodebar. And then verse 5. So King David, everybody listen, King David had him brought from Lodebar, from the house of Micah, son of Amiel, when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he vowed to pay him honor David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Listen to what David said in verse 7. The first words of David to Mephibosheth was, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Verse 7. Do not be afraid. The first statement of David to Mephibosheth was, Fear not. Don't be afraid. And I've said this over and over. If you, if you check the consistency of the scripture, these words, don't be afraid, was repeated so many times. There was a place in the book of Matthew, chapter 17, Jesus transfigured in the sight of Peter, James, and John. And these guys were scared. They went down. And then when Moses and Elijah disappeared, it was only Jesus. And they were scared. And Jesus said, do not be afraid. And the Bible says they saw no one else but Jesus. 
And the only way not to be afraid is when you see nobody else but Jesus. When your gaze is only on Jesus. When your focus is only in Jesus. At times when you look at your bank account, you have a tendency of having <laughs> a wavelength of fear coming in, coming out. At times when you look at your credit card, there's a tendency for you to be afraid. There's a tendency for you to be afraid. But when you look onto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, hallelujah, you remain in a state of rest. So the Bible says, listen, verse 7, don't be afraid. David said to him, listen, everybody, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul. You will always eat at my table. How many of you love a ready-made banquet? Whereby the only thing you want to do is just to come and be eating on the table of God. David said in the book of Psalm 23, he said he has set a table before me. How many of you know that God has actually set a table before you in the presence of your enemy? It doesn't matter what is going on around you. The Bible says even in the midst, in the presence of what you are going through, there is still a table set before you. The table of favor, the table of, of wisdom. So you always know what to do. You are not confused. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You are not confused. You have God's wisdom. So again, let us bring out Jesus from 2 Samuel chapter 9 because the whole scripture points us to one person. And whose person, who is that person? His name is Jesus. So the Bible says, David requested for Mephibosheth, who was lame, because he wanted to bless him for the sake of Jonathan. And to bring out Jesus from that scripture, David speaks about a picture of God. God decided to bless you and I. God decided to seek for you and I. God decided to chase after you and I because we were a picture of Mephibosheth because the Bible says Mephibosheth was lame. And it's a picture of where we were all coming from. We were lame in our sins. So God, that the picture of David decided to show us kindness. That's what verse 1 was saying. God decided to show us kindness for Jonathan's sake, for Jesus' sake. Jonathan in that picture is a picture of Jesus. So you understand verse 1 more clearly now. Second Samuel verse 1. David asked, Is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to make and show kindness for Jonathan's sake? So today, we have, in quote, the picture of Mephibosheth because God is showing us kindness today for Jesus' sake. The reason why God is so kind to you, the reason why God loves you, has nothing to do with what you do or what you are not doing. It's not about you. It's all about Jesus and what he has done for you. The reason why God will never leave nor forsake you, the reason why today the Holy Spirit will in your heart forever, he will never leave or forsake you. The reason why God is always there for you to, to father you from time to time, the reason why God will always show up for you is not because, oh, did you join money prayer today or did you not join money prayer today? No. It's not because did you do your religious activity today or not. No. The reason why God will be consistent in his faithfulness towards you is because of Jesus. So David reached out to Mephibosheth with kindness for the sake of Jonathan. 
the same picture of how God will reach out to you and I, and He's still faithful in reaching out to you and I, and He will forever be faithful in showing up for you and I. You know why? For the sake of Jesus. If it is based on you or your actions, you should be scared. If it is based on you, on your works, you should be afraid because your works fluctuate. So if God relates with you based on your faithfulness, you should be scared. Because why? Your faithfulness fluctuates. But thank God, God is not relating with us based on our actions, based on our faithfulness, but based on the faithfulness of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? That is really awesome. For me, it is awesome. And why am I trying to explain this to you? This is to make you understand God is still consistent in his faithfulness. God will still do so many things in your life, not because of the things you do or the things you did not do. Every single time you come to the presence of God, you approach God, you talk to God, your confidence should be in the fact that you have Jesus on your team. Your confidence should be in the fact that God sees you now as Jesus. The Bible puts it this way, as Jesus is, so are we right now in this world. So begin to understand that it is the greatest desire of every good father to see the children enjoy that which he has prepared for him. So David said, the only thing you will do, the, the, the last part of verse 7, you will always eat at my table. Always is in your Bible, that context. It is not, oh, you will eat today only when you are good. It is not you only come and enjoy yourself in my presence only when things are going the way you want them to go. It is not you only come on days when you feel like it. The Bible says you will always eat at my table. This is the will of God for every of the sons. God wants us to come to a place whereby we always eat at his table. At times, I understand if I say, God, but there are enemies around. God, I'm still going through this situation. But God said, focus on the table. Don't focus on the enemies. David understood this ministry. Because David literally did this for Mephibosheth. So when he was saying Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And when you understand that the Lord is your shepherd, there's a revelation that makes you understand that every other thing will be done by your shepherd. Let me quickly explain Psalm 23 to you. Psalm 23 says, listen everybody, the Lord is my shepherd. The moment you get a revelation of the fact that God is not just the God of the universe, but he's also your father, personal relationship now, and he's your shepherd, you understand that as a sheep, the greatest form of humility for you, how you can be humble is if you just rest in everything your shepherd is doing. So if you read Psalm 23, let's read it from this way. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The next verse, listen, listen. The next verse is not based on what the sheep will do. The next verse focus on what the good shepherd will do. The next verse is not pointing to you, because again, if the focus is on you, you will wear out. If the focus is on you, you will stress. If the focus is on you, you may be anxious. If the focus is on you, you may be feeling up and down at some point of your life. But if the focus is on him, have you not heard? Have you not known that the everlasting God does not grow weary? He does not get tired. So the Bible makes us understand, he made me to lie down. 
But God, I can lie down myself. No, 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 no. A place of where you are humble is when you say, Lord, can you please make me lie down? He makes me to lie down. How many of you like it when God himself makes you lie down? And what does it mean to lie down? It means you are in a state of rest. And the good news is you can lie down even when everything is not 100% going the way you want it to go. Being in a state of rest is not a function of, okay, so everything is fine now. There's nothing to worry about now. Ah, thank you, Jesus. I have money in my account. No! The kind of peace God promised you and I is a peace that surpasses human understanding. Human understanding. It's not the same kind of peace your unbeliever friend has when they just get their salary. It's the kind of peace you have on your good days, and even when you find yourself in ugly days, you still have peace in your pocket. There's such a thing called having peace in the midst of the storm. It, do, it doesn't matter what happens. You rest. And one of the greatest temptations you will face when you are resting in the midst of the storm is that the enemy will come and you say, do something, do something, do something, do something. You say, no, I won't do anything. And the best way to respond is, you know what? God is working behind the scene. I preached one time on spiritual warfare. And I was making people understand that Jesus fought all your battles on your behalf. For you to think there are still some village people you are still trying to fight against, is ignorance. Ignorance at the highest level. And that doesn't mean the devil will not come and tempt you and say, fight me, fight me, fight me. If the devil appears to you right and tell you, Fight me, fight me. You know what you should say? Tell him, you are already defeated. I'm not trying to defeat you. Jesus already defeated you on the cross. And that will put you in a state of rest. If you don't understand this truth, that God, through Jesus, has given all the victory, you will think you are praying, but when you check your prayer points, and it is still focused on trying to do what your shepherd, your savior said he has done for you, you will wear out. A place of rest is believing God's word for what he says. If God says he has made you sit at the right hand of the Father in Christ, far above principalities and powers, what should you say? Lord, I believe. I believe, Lord. Lord, I believe your word for what he says. I will just rest. This is why the Bible even says people should labor into the rest because it's almost as if it's it, it's almost as if that it feels easier to worry than to rest. Almost as if. The disciples were in a boat. They were like, Jesus, don't you care that we perish? The truth is, Jesus is on the same boat with them. It wasn't that Jesus said, let's go to the other side. And Jesus now said, okay, I'll, I'll look at how you guys will make it. He was on the boat with them. So that means he cares about them. He is with them. And in our journey of faith, in our journey in life, this is what we'll keep learning. How to remain focused on Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith. Because so many things want to take your consciousness off Jesus. At times, the storm will want to get your attention. The wind may want to get your attention. But the truth of the matter is, put your gaze on Jesus. No matter what comes your way. Seasons come, seasons go. Jesus comes and stay forever. Hallelujah. So the Bible makes us understand, he makes me to lie down. He leads me beside the still water. Who is doing all of these things? 
your shepherd. What's his name? Jesus. So you come to a place of rest, it's when you begin to allow your shepherd to work. It's not pride. That's the greatest form of humility. What it means to be humble is when you allow your shepherd to walk and now you can rest. David understood that Rema. He made me to lie down. He did this. He set the table before me in the presence of my enemies. In the presence of my enemies. So it doesn't mean that your enemy has disappeared. Now I can eat on the table of God. No. So when David told Mephibosheth that he would eat on a table, he wasn't talking about the fact that now you are no long, longer lame. So now come and be eating on my table. No. Even with his lameness, even with the lameness of Mephibosheth in 2 Samuel 9 verse 7, David says, still come and eat on my table. So it doesn't matter where you are, focus on what is on the table. If Mephibosheth wants to live a life of unbelief or a life of worry, he will keep looking at his feet. If he wants to live a life of faith, he will keep looking at the table. David has said before him. If we want to live a life of faith, we will keep looking at the table. God, our shepherd, has said before us, has prepared for us, even in the midst of our enemies. At times when we want to get silly, we look at the enemies around us. Why should we focus on the enemy, this storm, what we are going through, when we can remain focused on the table and keep exploring the goodness, the favor, the mercy, the blessing, the kindness, the faithfulness of God on the table. Wherever you are, just say, I will focus on what God has set before me. I will not focus on what is happening around me. I will focus on the table and not my enemies. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want to start bringing to a close Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. I were able to read from verse 10 to verse 14 um in the last session we'll do that again and then we'll pray in the spirit before we wrap it up today today is saturday usually on saturdays we pray in the spirit for 30 minutes straight but because we're in a series we couldn't do that today but we'll still pray in the spirit praying in the spirit is one of the ways by which you can rest because when your mind is going up and down when you are worried you are anxious your mind is doing like this there's a wavelength inconsistent wavelength in your thought pattern one of the best things you can do to rest is to pray in the spirit when you pray in the spirit you turn off your mind you turn on your heart and you begin to focus back on god praying in the spirit put your gaze back on jesus put your focus back on god so when you realize you are losing control of your mind, when you realize you are beginning to worry, when you realize you are beginning to think about things you don't want to think about, instead of thinking about things that are true, things that are honest, things that are good report, what should you do? Pray in the straight. We'll do that shortly. And But before we do, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Ephesians is one of the most rich book in the Bible. I, I'm sorry I've used that word rich, but every scripture is rich. But in terms of, if I would classify the Bible, Ephesians carries a lot of mysteries. It is in the book of Ephesians we understand, I mean, before we even get to chapter 6, it is in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 we understand that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessings. Thank God for the book of Ephesians. It is in the book of Ephesians we understand that we are seated at the right hand of the Father, Ephesians 2.6. It is in the book of Ephesians we understand 
that we have redemption in Christ and total forgiveness. Ephesians 7. If you're born again, listen to this. Every of your sins are forgiven. And it's not based on you. It's based on what Jesus did on the cross. If you are yet to be born again, you are listening to this. If you receive Jesus now, all your sins will be wiped away now. And God will give you what we call eternal life. Eternal life. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit right now, and you will receive the Holy Ghost, promise of the Father, and you'll say it by just confessing Jesus and believing in your heart that He died for your sins because He loves you and rose on the third day. So when, if, when Paul wanted to finish the writing of the book of Ephesians, he, he said, Finally, if I'm preaching and I say things like finally, then I'm about to wrap up. So you should pay more attention to the things I want to say when I say finally. So let us see what, what Paul said. Finally, Ephesians 6:10. Be strong in the Lord and in the and in his mighty power. How can we be strong in the Lord? Verse 11. Put on the full armor of God. Paul. Why do you want us to put on the full armor of God? The next line. So that you can take your, excuse me, stand. So Paul said, put on the whole armor of God. Brother Paul, why? He said, so that you can take your stand. So that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. The emphasis, because I want you to maintain your ground. I want you to take your stand. I want you to remain in the place of rest. Put on the armor of God so that nothing shakes you in Christ. So that you remain conscious of your position in Christ. Take your stand in Christ. And then verse 13 of that same Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 13 says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Brother Paul, why? So that when the evil day comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. This is the third time stand was mentioned from verse 10 to verse, verse 13. Put on the full arm of God. Why? So that when the evil day comes, you'll be able to stand. If you are born again, there's such a thing called evil day, singular. In the book of Psalms, the Bible says, we shall see many good days. For the believer, there are many good days. Many good days. Many, many good days. But there's such a thing called evil day. Evil days, singular. Good days is plural. Isn't that beautiful? Good days are many, many good days. But there's such a thing called evil day. That, that should not scare you. Because why? The Bible is preparing your head for those days. And what does evil day mean? Those are the days whereby you find yourself go through seasons, what you call ugly seasons of your life. But you shouldn't be scared. You know why? Because God has said you should put on this hammer so you can stand. So the whole essence of the old armor of God is so that we can stand. People should not forget that. That is the purpose of the armor of God. The breastplate of righteousness. What does it mean? So that when the enemy comes to want to make me feel as if I'm no longer righteous, maybe because I did something wrong or I didn't do something enough, what should I do? I remember the breastplate of righteousness and say, hey, devil, I am not righteous because of the things I do or the things I didn't do. I am righteous because of what Jesus 
has done on my behalf. So the Bible says, take your stand, Akimika. When you get tempted and start feeling as if, ah, am I still righteous? Remember the book of Ephesians chapter 6 that I said you put on the breastplate of righteousness so that you can guide your heart from all of these thoughts. So you can declare, I am still righteous. Because why? My righteousness is not based on what I do or what I did not do. It's based on what Jesus has done. So take your stand. So that when you begin to live right, you understand you are living right because you're already righteous. This is why I took time to explain the doctrine of righteousness when we started. The righteousness is a gift from God to you. And then you will be tempted in that, that area of your life. At times you feel as if, am I still righteous? Take your stand on what the word of God says. Yes, you are still righteous. But you, you don't understand that God angry the money. Am I still righteous? The scripture says you are still righteous. And until you start seeing yourself as who the scripture says you are, you won't even be transformed into the same image from glory to glory. So the Bible says take your stand. Verse 14 again starts by saying, Stand firm, then. Whoa. The Bible is just laying emphasis on the fact that we should just stand, 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 stand. Stand, stand, stand. Why? Because your Christian journey, you are starting from a place of rest. So the Bible says, Maintain your stand. The Bible says, We are complete in Christ. Your Christian journey, God has given you everything you ever need. The Bible says, maintain your stand. Stand firm. Take your stand in what God has already done through Christ for you. Every major temptation of the enemy is to make you feel as if Christ has not done enough. So you need to do more. But the Bible says, no, don't fall into that temptation. Take your stand that Christ is enough for you. That Jesus has done it all for you. That his works are really finished. You don't need to hide what he has done. You only need to rest in that which he has done. Take your stand. And then Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, where we want to pray in the Spirit. One of the hammer of God is praying always in the Spirit. After the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the next thing says, pray always in the Spirit. And now he says, pray in the Spirit at all times. How many of you want to pray in the Spirit? When I pray in the Spirit, I realize my case, my focus, is almost it's like a camera. The lens of my focus is recentered on Jesus. And I begin to find rest again. I begin to realize that I have nothing to worry about. That I have no reason to be afraid. And I begin to remind myself that God is with me. God is for me. God is not against me. The book of First Corinthians chapter 2. This will, chapter 14. This will be the last scripture we read. First Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, from verse 2, the Bible says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. The utter mysteries in the spirit. And then verse 4 says, Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. What it means to edify yourself is to encourage yourself. What it means to encourage yourself is to build up yourself. That's what the book of Jude says. Building up yourselves in the most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Wherever you are right now, we want to, we want to remind ourselves who we are in Christ. We want to encourage ourselves. We want to hear what the word of God says about our life. And reduce what our mind is saying about us. 
We want to remain focused on Jesus. We want to stand firm. Your Christian journey is a journey that starts from resting in what Jesus has done. But along the way, so many things want to shake you. But the Bible says, take your stand, stand firm. Four times stand was mentioned in Ephesians chapter 6. Why the Bible was talking about the whole armor of God. So we want to pray in tongues now. What are we doing? We are standing firm in the consciousness of God, in the consciousness of Jesus, and not in the consciousness of what the, the world says about us. We are not focusing on what the environment says about us. We want to focus on what the Bible says about us. We want to stand firm. We want to stand firm by encouraging ourselves in the promises of God, in the rest of God. Wherever you are, I just want you to lift up your voice and just pray in the Spirit. I want you to just silence your mind. The Bible says when we pray in tongues, our logical understanding is unfruitful. Because it is your spirit that prays. And your spirit knows all things. Your spirit knows that God is with you. That God is for you. That God is not against you. Your mind may not be able to grasp it until when you silence it. Or when you renew it. But your spirit knows all things. So when we pray in tongues now, you will build up yourself. You begin to edify yourself. Wherever you are, let's just pray in the spirit.
Hamian Solemin Hai, Urakiti Gilehama, Abrakabala Dibena Kumrugobele Dibena Kamino Gobeleke Dibelekama, Arakoga, Arakaino Silane, Imbolo Kumrugobele Dibena Kamino Gomenekaja, Arle Kumrugavila, Nintumbele Hai, Orakis Kulihiva Nyatuna, Adabala Dibo Samanantaino Stigala, Reko Bagabili Kimene Kumrugobele Dibena Kamino Gobelekaja, Anama surike digili kangu, kangu untifai, usilu kugwagai, indala dibele kombra, agrogobele dimene kangu, kingo mbala kadibele kande, jimbingo mbala kadibrugobele dibu. Ovelendum Rugobella Dimenakai, Aragagagalagamenakai, Aragabala Demanakaminokai, Eragabala Dimenakaminokai, Eragabala Dimenakaminokai, Asilong and Develabom Rugobella Dimenakam, Rugobella Dimenakamiabuja, Alami Sore Etibele Daminokuminakaja, Landum Rubele Vilaski, Helemon Saladina, Aratibele Tum Rugubele Dimenakomiasuba, Arat. so much can I just say thank you to Jesus just say thank you to Jesus wherever you are and let him understand that Lord my trust is in you my confidence is in you my rest is in you thank you Holy Spirit thank you Lord Jesus we give you all the praise Father we thank you because we know that our weekend is blessed we know Lord that our gaze is on you so we don't care what the storm of life is saying we don't care what is happening around us we will remain focused on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We give you all the praise, Father. In Jesus' beautiful name, I will pray. And let God's people say, Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, everybody. We'll continue the series tomorrow. This series ends by tomorrow, by the way. And after this series ends tomorrow, starting from Monday, we're starting a new series on the book of Revelation. And I, <laughs> for a long period of time, God has been laying into my heart to teach on the book of Revelation. But I've been hesitating because precept must be upon precept. 
So I needed to make sure that I took time to teach first on the doctrine of righteousness before I can teach God's people in the book of Revelation. Because if you don't understand the doctrine of righteousness, the Bible says you are still a babe. Hebrews 5.12 says, um, Holy Spirit, let me rephrase. Un being unskillful in the words of righteousness is what it means to be a babe. Still taking milk. But the moment you understand that righteousness is a gift that can never be achieved but received, that every single believer today on the surface of the heart, they are righteous. Is it because they are doing everything right? No. But because of what Jesus has done. Because Jesus did everything right on their behalf. Until you understand that you're not even ready for, for some solid food in the scripture. But I feel as if over time I've been able to teach that for many months. All over 700 content, podcast messages we have online. They are centered and they elevate the fact that you are righteous by faith. And that is good news. That shouldn't be hard to believe. So I, be, I believe I've been able to preach that for many months. Now I think we are ready to explore the mysteries in the book of Revelation. Of course, all scriptures unveils one person. His name is Jesus. So the first five words in the book of Revelation says the revelation of Jesus Christ. Those are the first five words. So the book of Revelation unveils Jesus Christ, not Antichrist. In fact, you'll be amazed that the word Antichrist was not used in the book of Revelation. Oh my God. Wow, that's so deep, Akim. <laughs> you'll be shocked that the word Antichrist was not mentioned in the book of Revelation. I challenge you. Go and make your research. So I just want to teach the word of God from the finished work of Christ angle to make God's people understand every scripture is just pointing to the fact that God loves you and he cares so much about you. And if God will add the book of Revelation to this scripture, it's because he wants you to know what is to come. So we'll explore that and it will build love in your heart. After studying the book of Revelation, you will fall in love with God the more. You can't help it. You just feel like hugging Jesus if you see him next to him, next to you. <laughs> All right, so it's going to be an awesome ride. Today is Saturday, and by 7 p.m. Winnipeg, Canada time, by the way, um, I'll be ministering at RCCG Living Seed. We'll be having a worship moment, only live on Mix LR. So the best thing to do right now is to, two options, either search for Revival Flames on Mix LR. Option B will be to just follow me on Facebook or Instagram, and then I'll post the link. Once it is 7 p.m. Winnipeg, Canada time. And that's going to be around. Those in Nigeria may be sleeping by then. Because it will be 1 a.m. in Nigeria. So let's just say you are technically awake in Nigeria by 1 a.m. In 1 a.m. to come. You can join us as well. But even if you miss it, guess what? You can send Redeemed Christian Church of Christ, Living Seed, Winnipeg, a message. They will send you the recordings. But again, it's going to be an awesome time. And the next session for the rest of God, by the way, will be by 3 p.m. Winnipeg, Canada time. And that's going to be 9 p.m. Nigerian time. Just follow us on our social media platform. Finally, a good picture also seven times. But finally, we have over 700 messages online, all centered on faith, hope, love. We've answered almost all major questions people may have. As far as God is concerned, as far as Holy Spirit is concerned, every question you may have in mind to an extent, we've been able to answer it. Inka, if you say God loves me, what about Matthew chapter 7, verse 21? We've answered those questions. All these questions are online on the podcast. And they still point to the fact that God can never stop loving you. So keep smiling. Don't allow anything to take that confidence from you. That's why the Bible says, stand your ground in the book of Ephesians. Stand firm, stand your ground. God loves you. 
whoever you are, can you just smile and just say, God loves me. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, everybody, for connecting. We'll see you guys in the next session. Amen. God bless you. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And what I'm doing right now, I'm beginning to speak to you in Psalms. Because Ephesians chapter 5 says, speaking to one another in, in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody to God in your heart. And I just want you to know, just like God says in Psalm 23, that he is your shepherd. And he's always with you, even when you don't feel it. So you have all that you need. You may not see it because your sight is limited. But if you focus on this world, you realize you have all that you need. Long before you were born, his supply is far greater than whatever you ever need on earth. If he could give you Jesus, he would give you every other thing you would ever need. Long before you get to that season, he has made provisions available for you. And he wants you to know this. Don't focus on your bank account to define who you are. If he could give you Jesus, he will give you everything. God giving us Jesus is the proof that he has done for you much more than he will ever do for you he has given you much more than you ever need so just focus on him because you have all that you need and he has made you to lie down in greener pastures in green pastures and when he wants you to lie down he wants you to rest and not stress because he's always working most times you don't feel it so you get worried you get anxious but he says in his word that he has made you to lie down and if he has made you to lie down then rest stop trying to figure out things on your own just allow god to do the things he's doing in your life and he leads you beside the still water where everything is cool calm and collected he restores your soul if your heart is troubled before you came here the lord has restored your soul in the mighty name of jesus oh glory to god and though you walk through the valley of shadow of death you don't have to be afraid because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world glory to god oh man and surely god's goodness god's favor god's unfailing love is what is running after you village people are not chasing you <laughs> it's the goodness of god that is hunting you down it is pursuing you all the days of your life and you rest in the house of the lord forever and ever in Jesus' name, amen. If you have been blessed by this message, we invite you to partner with us to send the gospel of God's love to all nations. Send us an email on truespiritualitynetwork at gmail.com. You can also follow us on all social media platforms, True Spirituality Network on both Facebook and Instagram, T-Spirituality on Telegram, and Akimika on YouTube. So catch up with all our podcasts, search for Akimika on all major platforms, including Spotify, audio mark and anchor as you feed on god's love for you allow his love to cast out every fear and remember it's not about you it's all about jesus